Alright, welcome back to Magic with a K. I'm Daniel. And I'm Alex. And we took a little break because we had things going on in our life, so now we are back for all those who missed us. And thanks everybody for downloading the shows. We appreciate it. We looked at that obviously right before we came on. So this is actually going to be our uh, 17th show. So yeah, and it's going to be all about familiar magic, which... That's why my co-host here is going to talk most of the time, and I'm just going to sit and listen, ask a few questions, yeah. And I, because I don't work with familiar, so. Yeah, so familiar magic is definitely one of my specialties. Um, so when we're talking about familiars, we got to talk first about what a familiar is. Mm -hmm. So in the during the witch trials of both Europe and North America, one of the common ways of noticing that someone was a witch was accusing them of having a familiar. Um, and so what is a familiar? Uh, at that time, you would be accused of having a familiar if you had a pet that they thought looked familiar-like. Could have been a dog, a cat, a rabbit, a chicken, anything. Um, but it was also if they had, like, it seemed the animal had an affinity towards yeah. you more than anybody else, right? Exactly. So if the animal seemed to have an affinity to, towards you more than others, which... Anyone who has a pet knows that's just how pets are. Um, you know, my dog will, this is a bad example, uh, but my dog likes me more than anyone else in the world and cannot be called away from me by most people. Um, and we'll talk about why that's a bad example in a minute. But uh, in modern magic, there are what I consider two distinct categories when it comes to familiars. There are corporal familiars and there are non-corporal familiars. So what a familiar is, is a spirit of an animal that assists a practitioner in magic work. Okay. That's what a familiar is. That is the bare bones dry definition. Um, a lot of practitioners work with non-corporal familiars, and those can be spirits of animals that have passed away. Those can be spirits of wild animals. These can be elemental spirits of animals. So the spirit of all wolves, the spirit of all cats, the spirit hmm. of, you know, all of that type. Those can be um, servitors. Hmm. So there are lots of ways of getting animal spirits. A corporal familiar is a animal, a physical animal whose spirit and innate magic a practitioner uses with magical practice. Okay. Um, so when we're talking about non-corporal familiars, we're often talking about trying to see the best way to phrase this one. Um, we're often talking about um, a practitioner who has an affinity for a type of animal who works with that animal spirit. Um, so that spirit's power, just like any other well of power a practitioner can draw from, is where the what the practitioner can draw from. So you've got people who do angelic magic who can draw angelic power. Right. People who work with demons who can draw demonic power. People mm -hmm. who work with dragons who can draw draconic <laughs> power. People who work with non-corporal um, 
familiars can draw that animal power to help boost their spells. I specifically work with corporal familiars. Hmm. So I have historically had a familiar at a time. When you, the problem about working with corporal familiars is that a non-corporal familiar will live probably longer than you. Mm-hmm. You've made the bond with them. You've started working with them. You've figured out all the kinks with them. And you can just keep going. Okay. Corporal animals don't live forever. Right. Usually finite. Yeah. And less than us. Exactly. And so you have to get a new one every so often. Mm. Um, and that seems really dry and kind of crass, but it is the reality of working with a living being. So what happens when they do pass away? Um, so when, uh, when my familiar, the last time my familiar passed away, it leaves a void. Okay. Um, my ability to do magic is decreased because okay. I do rely on that wellspring of power from the familiar mm-hmm. to do my magic. Um, and I'm then forced to find another one. Okay. And how exactly do you go about picking a new one? So there's a lot of criteria for me to pick a new familiar, um, The first one is it's got to be an animal that lives in my home. I have to be able to interact with this animal on a very, very regular basis. Um, Another one of the criteria I have, uh, it sounds silly, but they have to consent. And I know that sounds like, well, how does an animal consent? Well, if you are petting your animal and they don't like it, they didn't consent to being pet. You can tell. So usually an animal that is a good candidate to be a familiar is going to be one that likes being pet, likes being handled, is okay sitting next to you for long periods of time. Makes sense. Um, They've also got to be young. Mm. Um, If they're too old, after they've reached a certain age, um, their ability to share their energy can become sharing and because they've not learned how to share the energy while they were growing up doing so now can harm them. Mm. So I, I try to get, while not necessarily a puppy or a kitten or a, a baby animal, definitely an animal in that early adulthood One adolescence to two age stage. Yes. Gotcha. Um, and so you have to form the bond with them, which is a months long process. And it's more than just, having a pet and feeding them. Um, and then once you do that, you are able to share energy back and forth. And you have to remember, like, everything we talk about, it's about relationships. This cannot be a one-sided relationship where I'm constantly drawing from a wellspring of an animal. That can kill your familiar. Um, you have to give and take. You have to replenish the energy that you take. So it's just like a relationship with another human. Exactly. Or with any spirit that you well, work yeah, with. Well, yeah. But yeah. Um, so my, currently, I have two familiars. And the reason being is I had a familiar, an established, well-working familiar who does great with spells and ritual and, and practice and is excellent familiar. Um, and then I got a new cat who was adamant that he wanted to be a familiar, which is unusual. Usually I would approach the animal and and ask, and then they would either say yes or no. 
but this cat was adamant that they wanted to be a familiar and my current familiar which is my dog was not happy about the idea of there being a second familiar um and after going through it with my dog and discussing it you know reminded her you don't live forever right. cats on average live twice as long as dogs mm -hmm. and this cat is five years younger than you when you when you inevitably pass this will make the transition easier for me and mm. and that was the my dog understood that concept um <laughs> You know, mm. animals are a lot smarter than people give them credit mm. for. Um, and so I do have two familiars now. One that I work with as a main familiar and one who is more of a backup familiar. So my cat is my backup familiar and my dog's my main familiar. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's... But I do understand why the dog didn't want you to do that because of the fact that he knows that, you know, he doesn't want you to become a crazy cat person. So there you go. Uh, and, and let's <laughs> clarify, I, I have a lot of pets. Yeah. I do. I personally, um, not including pets that are specifically owned by other people like my daughter, mm -hmm. I personally have seven pets. Yeah. Most pets I have owned in my lifetime have neither the temperament nor desire to be a familiar. I can see that. And that's okay. Like, I have no temperament nor desire to be a lawyer. Right, right. And that's okay. Yeah. Like, I physically have the ability to. Like, I've got a brain. I could theoretically go to law school. I could theoretically do it. But I don't want to. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to sell your soul to the devil, all that kind of stuff. Ah, that's done happen. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, and by the way, I've met all of these pets. And so I'm familiar with them. And they're they're fun. Yeah. Let um, me ask. Um, have knowing that because I've got two dogs. One is my familiar, and mm -hmm. one is not. Can mm -hmm. you tell the difference between one being a familiar and one not? Because I mean, I can. Like, if I meet an animal that is someone else's familiar, I can tell. There's, but I work in that arena. There's more of an attachment. Yeah. That's the deal. Um, it really is. It's more of an attachment than it is anything else. And there's some of those. Um, that's the best way to describe. I guess ethereal strings, yeah. so to speak, coming off of them uh, somewhat. So that's a little bit easier. But once again, yeah, for those who don't play in this realm, you're yeah. never gonna know. Other yeah. than, oh man, that dog and and that cat, boy, they really seem to have bonded with you. Yeah, you know, that's and, that, those yeah. two animals are with you a, a lot. lot. <laughs> yeah. Seem to be really happy in your company all the time. You're really taking good care of those animals. Okay, yeah. good. Enough. Those are the animals that sleep in the bed with me. Those are the animals that right. are next to me. I work from home. They're next to me while I'm at work all day. Right. Um, and, and frankly, I would say that, that also is the other thing that goes back to, like, the witch trial stuff and the hunting mm -hmm. uh, is probably that actually, yeah, you can look that up. It, that's actually in the Witch's Hammer, by the way. The Malus Maleficarum yeah. uh, is talking about how to spot because it did have some animal affinity stuff in there. It's got different things about... Obviously, a lot, by the way, a lot of that is fun. It's fun to read just to see the different ideas that were there. Some of them are good. Don't get me wrong. Some of them are pretty accurate. Some of them are just... Yeah, that's just kooky. Now, historically... There is no evidence that anyone who died in the American witch trials 
were, were actual were witches. witches. And there is minor, very, very little evidence that anyone who dry, died in the European witch trials were actual witches. Right. So... A lot of it was neighbors who didn't like each other. Um, you might have had a few. Don't get, don't get us wrong. There, there's probably... There might have been a few that got caught up in it. Different things like that. But, but a lot of it... that's more law of large numbers. Yeah. Than I was going to say, a lot of it is just... These were people pissed off at each other. Different things like that. And the other thing, and I, I will point this out from a guy's perspective, okay is a lot of the stuff that's about how to spot a witch is one of the things you do is get them naked to look for the witch's mark, in quotation marks. Well, that's how you're getting women naked. It's just yeah. like, how do you hunt a unicorn? You ever heard those stories? No, how? You, you make sure that you get a young maiden who's okay with taking her complete top off, and if you can get it, her bottoms off too, and going and standing out in the woods for long periods of time while you're watching for this unicorn that will only approach a maiden while she's either half or fully naked. Once again, yeah, because way, no one is ever going to abuse that. Right. Once again, a way to get females naked, right? Yeah. And out in the woods, away from society. I'm sure nothing bad could happen. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh, the unicorn killed her. Who knew? Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's it's crazy, right? Um, now, yeah. a lot of people who talk about doing familiar magic often talk about um, non-corporal familiar magic. I have done it. I've never made a long-lasting bond with a non-corporal spirit hmm. just because, I don't know, I've, I've never needed to. I've always been able to do the bond pretty well with animals that are corporal animals. Okay, but, I mean, would you would you want to do the, the non-corporal just for the fact that, like you said, they'll probably outlive you? Oh, yeah. Um, and a lot of people do it for that reason. Um, because think about it, you know, the last time I had a familiar die, I lost a familiar, so my magic yeah. is hampered. Yeah. I've lost a pet. Yeah. And my pets are, are family. Right. So I'm going through a, a magical and an emotional upheaval. Right. All at the same time. Right. So yeah, that can be rough. Um, but I, I just, I find that I work better with an animal that I can physically touch. Oh, okay. Yeah, makes sense. And I can see that. Yeah. But it's... It, so you said you've you've done it before with the non-corporeals. Mm -hmm. Was it easier to bond with them than it was? Or is it because you had something there to actually touch that it made it easier? Um, I, I've heard people say that you don't have to make as elemental a bond with the non-corporeal ones okay. than you do with the corporeal ones. Um, you, I've heard people say that it's kind of like, hey, do you want to do it? Yes. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Whereas for me, making the bond with a, a physical animal, mm -hmm. like I said, it's a month-long process. Right. Right. And It's attuning them to my energy. It's attuning to their energy. It's getting right. used to sharing energy. It's getting used to... It's teaching them how... To handle energy that's given to them, how to offset energy, it's it's a long process. What have you seen them using your energy for? Um, they, the, the really cool thing about having that bond with an animal is that they can use their that energy for healing and for replenishing and for like refreshing themselves. They don't have mm. to sleep quite as much. Mm. Um, and it's also you're able to kind of calm them down when they're anxious. Oh. a lot easier okay um you know um a lot of animals don't like storms right right for example we had a lot of storms pass through yeah. 
large swaths of this country mm. in the last couple weeks. Um, and by sharing a little bit of my energy, my familiars, they were able to calm down much easier than the other animals were. I got you. Hmm. And so when you're doing all that, how much, how much would you say probably energy you're pulling from them when you're doing stuff? Um, so that's a, it's a weird one. Um, (laughs) so you've seen me cook and you you know, when I cook, it's not how much of this seasoning do you add? It's you add seasoning until the ancestors are like, that's enough. That's right. You add yay amount. Yay much. Um, (laughs) it's a feeling like I pull until I know if I pull any more, it could be a problem. Gotcha. I pull the amount, the limit. Or if I don't need that much, I only pull as much as I need. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I'm also pretty good at knowing how much I can push into them before they can't handle anymore either. And that's one of those that is a trial and and error and you you just got to learn that. (laughs) I wish there was a better way to teach energy sharing with animals, but it's... um, The good news is that if you push too much, they just kind of get up and walk away. You're not, like, actually going to harm them. Right. Unless you keep doing it. Mm. Um, but this is another reason why consent is very important. Because right. you you have to have an animal that's like, yeah, I've consented to this. I'm okay with this. And I'm going to sit here and let you do it. Because you're forcing an animal to sit next to you and go through this. Yeah. Then not only are you doing something against their will, mm. but you're not even able to see the normal warning signs of too much. Oh, right. Okay. Because they're already fighting you. Mm-hmm. You know, it, <laughs> if you push too much into an animal that consents, they leave. Gotcha. If you take too much from an animal that consents, they yip or nip or sometimes walk away grumpy. Right. Um, if you're doing that with an animal that you were physically holding in place or have tied mm-hmm. down or restrained in some area, how can they do any of that? Right. How can they have their so natural reaction? So you're probably going to kill them. Yeah, you can yeah. easily. Gotcha. Um, and, and that, on top of... Consent is important whenever working with any spirit or person. True. Consent is always key. Yeah. Um, it, why would it be any less when just because that's a, a animal? Well, yeah, and plus, I mean, if you're trying to form this bond with this animal, you definitely want to yeah. have a nice relationship with them. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Because once the bond is formed, the energy flows can happen on a very passive level. Yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. And. Do you find it easier now since you've got a main and a backup, or was it easier with just having one? It's actually more work having two, because well, I've got to maintain both of those right. um, bonds. I've got to maintain both those energy flows. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's definitely not easier. Well, I meant the I meant performing, like doing rituals and performing magic. No, because I really only ever have one with me at a time because. You don't pull from both at the same time? In addition to them only being able to give off so much energy and be able to accept so much energy, I can only take in so much. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, that's which is for everything, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, for everybody. Um, (laughs) If you all didn't know that, there you go. Uh, Okay, well, that that makes sense. So with my backup familiar, hmm. I've only ever done um, a ritual with him one time. Okay. Mostly what I do is maintain the bond and the energy flow. I got you. Okay. Well, that's also because, like you said, I mean, the dog's not going to live forever. Yeah. And now, do you think you'll do this again after the dog passes? Yeah. I will probably maintain having a main and a backup. Okay. For for the rest of my 
craft and practice. Right, you're just finding it easier Mm -hmm. in that regard. Yeah. Rather than having to form a whole new bond with a whole new familiar one at a time. And I found forming the bond while I already had the bond with another one easier because I wasn't going through the emotional ups and downs while I'm also trying to build this bond. That makes sense. So I found forming the bond easier, Mm -hmm. but um, maintaining the bond is more work. You know, it's more work having two dogs than it is to have one dog. It's more work having two kids than it is to have one kid. Right. Yeah, you know, it's just life. Right, exactly. And that's a reflection of it, absolutely. Yeah. And so you, so with the one that you're doing all the main stuff with, uh, that one is obviously real comfortable with everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. She's great. And um, you can be like, hey, we're going to go do a spell or we're going to do a ritual. Or we're going to do something. And she just comes and she sits right next to me. Right. And she waits until we're done. And then she just kind of looks at me. I'm like, we're done. And then she walks away. <laughs> Makes very, sense. Very good. And and there is no way to train a dog to to for that. There's just they either hmm. are they either they either get it through the process of forming the bond, right? Or they don't. Okay. And I've had familiars who I have to be like who won't sit there for the entire process and I can off pull the energy and okay. then let them go and then do what I need to do. Gotcha. Okay. I just currently have one who will gladly sit next to me as, you know, and just to be there with me while I do whatever I'm doing. Have, really cool. have any of them ever like told you it was a bad idea to do something? No. Okay. Um, I, and I think because, Because I've never done anything that they have enough knowledge about to understand whether or not what I'm doing is ah it is a bad idea. Okay, you know, it, at the end of the day, they're still animals. Right, and I and I get that. So, it's just you know, I, they can they, read yeah certain feelings, and, and, stuff. and they can read certain feelings, and they can tell like, hey, something's wrong with you, mm-hmm. or something's wrong, but. I don't really consult them on like, hey, should what do you think about this? Because they'll be like, I don't know, I'm a dog. I'm a dog. Yeah, right. Can I have food? <laughs> like, how, how do you feel about this one spell to affect this one aspect of so and so's life? I don't care. Right. So. Yeah, they're just letting you pull energy and exchange it. Yeah, I got you. Uh, in a very crude and awful way of phrasing it. They're more uh, familiars are often more batteries than they are anything else. They're not hmm. really a guiding source. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and please do not mistake the think that I think of my familiars in any way as just a battery. <laughs> but on the here come the emails <laughs> on the down and dirty mathematics of magic. That is how they function. Right, and that once again, it's an exchange of energy type mm-hmm. deal. So that makes perfect sense. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, here come the emails. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, okay. Well, that's... Like I said, I... You know, like I said at the beginning, I don't do familiar magic. And it's one of those... The... Yeah, the entities I deal with, obviously, usually you can ask them for advice and they'll give it. Yeah. But it's also one of those... Yeah, exchanges of energy is kind of the same deal. Yeah. Uh, and... But they're also... Which is the interesting part, I guess, which doesn't... Because they're obviously 
they are smarter than animals, obviously. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, is the fact that they know they can only yeah they can only pour so much energy into me, and if I was to give them any of mine, there's only a certain amount I can give. Yeah. They know that, and it's just yeah, like you know, yeah. So and there's it, no problems with that. It's funny because a lot of what I do with my familiars and with animal magic is so instinctive and right. instinctual right. that it's very difficult for me to try to explain it. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I'm sure a lot of people out there listening understand that as yeah. well. It's just, it's like, for instance, I would say probably uh, knowing how electricity works. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to, unless you're really deep into that business, yeah. you just have to know that when you turn the light, you flip the switch, the lights yeah. come on. Yeah, you just need to know the difference between hot and ground. Right, pretty much. Yeah. Um, Obviously, that's a very basic example. Yeah. But. So, um, on a uh, very... Um, pragmatic level um i do an energy um i do energy exchanges with my familiars a couple times a week and that's how you maintain the bond um if i'm on vacation and like i'm away from them come back they're like are we ready when are we gonna do this you've been gone for a week and um (laughs) they enjoy it not unpleasant um now with uh my main familiar we've been doing it so long that she can come up to me and just kind of rub against me and the energies exchange will be instinctual it'll just flow with no conscious thought with uh my backup the cat i have to sit there and consciously move the energy between the two of us it's probably because it's a cat it's because we've only been doing this about a year well that, that and the fact that if you've watched constantine you know that they're you can use them as a portal to go to hell <laughs> just saying and you know what to make things hilarious it is my black cat that is the familiar yeah i know of course because it, it can't be the other one well the other one's not nearly as friendly the other one is not nearly as friendly no. which is why he has not the temperament for it yeah uh <laughs> i could ask him and he would be like new no. yeah it <laughs> But yeah, that, and that is a funny part. Is yeah, it's the black cat that that's her backup. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, yeah, that's funny. I've always laughed about that. Yep. But the uh, the dog is cool, by the way. For anybody that's wondering, the dog is really cool. The dog is cool on on her own, anyways. Yeah, she's a sweet dog. So yeah, it, she's got a really good really good personality. She's really nice. She's lots of fun to the point of being annoying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Like a lot of dogs are, frankly. And I love the dog that I have. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's always fun to interact with, I would say, most of your animals. I, I'm not I'm not a big fan. I think I've said this before on here. I'm not a big fan of snakes. I just don't like snakes very much. I love snakes. Yeah, I just... I, I love just, snakes. I, I don't like snakes. They're just... Yeah, it's like... Yeah, just... I love people don't like spiders, and my daughter has a pet tarantula. See, um, I don't mind some spiders. Like, tarantulas are not... They're actually pretty neat to me uh, when they're full-grown. They're, they're pretty neat. There's some spiders, that, and it's like, nah, we'll just kill that spider. Uh, but, yeah, there are some that are actually... Like, I, I've always liked garden spiders. Yeah. They just look so cool. Yeah. And, yeah. It, the funny thing neat. is that a baby tarantula looks like just a little garden spider. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's um, true. Which I did not realize when we got my daughter's tarantula, how tiny that thing was going to be. 
So that brings up an interesting thing. So would you ever have a spider as a familiar? I wouldn't be opposed to it. Do you think they'd be able to provide you the same energy as, like, say, dogs and cats and stuff? Yeah, because the amount of energy isn't really equivalent to their the size. size. Right. Um, the only thing is that most spiders, even tarantulas, don't do well on on regular physical handling. Right, correct. Yeah. So that is why most people who have familiars have familiars that are cats, dogs, rabbits. They typically have man mammals because mammals do well with that constant physical handling. Right. That is required. Um Hmm. But that being said, I've I've known people who've had reptilian familiars. I've I've known someone who had a snake that there was was their familiar, and they they handled their snake on a daily basis. They did energy exchanges a couple times a week. Yeah, I've seen that movie. <laughs> he who shall not be named. Yeah, <laughs> the snake did very well as a familiar. Um, huh. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. Lizards and stuff like that. It's just that, yeah, it's a different mentality, obviously. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole thing. You know that. Yeah. Better yeah. than I do about the fact that they've got a di they've just got a different personality all They really do. They've got a totally different disposition. <sighs> yeah. Um, yeah. Because, you know, three of those seven pets yep. are reptilian. Yep. Yep. So I am an animal person at, at my core. And, you know, I like. I like lizards. They're okay. Like I said, it's just the snakes. I don't. I just don't. I don't do snakes. And especially so when they look like venomous snakes, I really don't do well with those because uh, that comes from well a lifetime basically of if it looks like that, you need to kill it. Yeah. Because it'll bite you. It'll bite somebody. It'll bite some of the livestock. It's <laughs> yeah. Mm -mm. It'll bite the dog. Yeah, don't want that. No. <laughs> or, like, I, I've done a lot of fishing, and so you definitely, like, water moccasins, you kill those. Because they, yeah, they're, they're, they're no bueno. Well, whereas most snakes, <laughs> even venomous snakes, even highly venomous snakes, want nothing to do with you. Yeah, absolutely. They usually run away. I'm talking about the ones that are dumb enough to get yeah. close. Exactly. Um, and basically, usually I've given them a warning. Yeah. Hey, look. Go away. Yeah, he better. <laughs> like this ain't this ain't gonna work out well for you there, buddy. Yeah. And and yes, I, even though I said I don't do any familiar magic, it's one of those. I still talk to animals. Mm -hmm. I'm sure most people do, but it's one of those. Yeah, it's like I will. I'll gladly talk to you. Yeah. But it's one of those. Like yeah, in that case, it's like nope. You better stay away from me. Yep. I don't like you. <laughs> um, it's like so. Yeah. There we go. We'll, so, yeah. There was a hedgehog running around, out around my place, and a which hedgehog. is where yeah, which is where we're recording this. And he was a big old fat hedgehog, okay, running around out here, and had decided that since I have a really nice uh, deck area, that he was going to try to start burrowing under there, and I had to put red pepper flakes everywhere and basically get that idea out of his head oh. uh he he did not come back after i put out the red pepper flakes and yep, uh, some urine it. and <laughs> that usually does it. a bunch of other stuff that it was like yep no they don't like those smells so we're gonna make sure that we drive him off just by smell alone and there were other places for him to go i'm pretty sure he's nesting underneath that bush back there 
because I've, I've seen some dirt that got moved. So, um, anyways, so, but yeah, it's, as well as he, uh, he's a big old fat hedgehog. But so the familiars that you've had in the past, mm-hmm. have they been just as strong as your current ones, or have you taught them how to be stronger over the years? They do gain strength over the years, um, and I, I think in general, every familiar is more or less as strong as every other familiar, okay. and at least in my experience. Um, now, do you think, here I'll pause for just a second on you. Do you think that that is because your strength level over the years has increased? Yeah. Okay. And I think that. Um, I also think their strength level increases as they get better at it. Okay. Because, you know, just like I'm constantly learning how to be a better human. Right. And we'll never stop learning how to be a better human. One would hope. Until I die. Yeah. They're constantly learning how to be a better familiar. They're constantly getting better at being a familiar. I'm constantly getting better at being a human. Um, okay. And so they do get better over time. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely think that the... Um, but I think they pretty much all start with very similar energy levels. Um, and so a strong familiar is usually just a familiar that's been doing that longer. Okay. Yeah. I would, yeah, I could see that. It, it's, hmm. it's more of a more skilled familiar, a, one that's better able to tap into their reserves. Right. So just like, well, just like any anybody who does listen to this that's an active practitioner, just like we are, it's one of those, yeah, it takes... A while to figure out you know what you're doing and then also how you're doing stuff and you know what you can and cannot do and mm-hmm. what you should and shouldn't do sometimes yeah. um now, so they have the same the process i'm guessing yeah okay. now historically a lot of times when people were accused of having a familiar mm-hmm. what they were being accused of is having a non-corporeal familiar who took a corporeal form Oh, like demons becoming... Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, they were often accused of, oh, that's a black cat, so you made a deal, got a spirit, and it took a physical form. From the devil, of course. Yes. Right. Um, that's not a thing that any familiar, corporeal, or otherwise can do. Right. So, for everybody that's been watching Sabrina the Teenage Witch, that does not happen. No. Just FYI. No. Yeah. And, and look, while I can talk to my familiars, they don't talk back to me like Salem does. Right, which, I Not, mean, that would be really cool. It'd be super cool if they just spoke I, English. I def oh man, I definitely, I'd bring the dog over, so that, that way oh. he could learn to speak English, yeah. yeah. Golly, that'd be great. That'd be super awesome, but yeah. Somewhat. Great. We think that. We think but that, yet, but yeah. Eh, I'm not sure I want him talking all the time. Yeah. To repeat things that shouldn't be repeated. That or, you know, the fact that you'd actually have to teach them manners and all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We already have to do that with the kids. Exactly. That's what it would be. <laughs> I guarantee you. And as much fun as they are. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just like I said, it, it's public safety announcement, I guess, for everybody. Is if you if you do decide to go get an animal familiar, yeah, they're not going to be. It's not going to be Sabrina the Teenage Witch stuff. No. Okay. Not the Netflix show. Not the other one that was on. Oh, what network was it on? I don't even remember now. Um, but WB, I want to say. Something like that. But it's one of those, yeah, it, it won't be like that. 
Yeah. The one with Melissa Joan Hart. Mm hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Who has only gotten better with age. Like a good familiar. Mm hmm. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But, yeah. So, So, I guess the bottom line comes down to picking a familiar is obviously very personal. Oh, yes. And it's a very personal and intimate process. So what would be the best advice you could give somebody for picking a familiar? So my best advice would be if you're picking a corporeal familiar and you don't already have an animal in your vicinity, that would be a good candidate. Um, So, well, the first one is if you have an animal in your vicinity, that would be a good candidate has a good temperament, calm, can sit for, I mean, not hours, but, you know, minutes with you, handles, handling well, is relatively young. Those are the things you're looking for. If you don't have one in your vicinity yet and you're like, well, I'm going to go to the shelter and pick out an animal, be prepared for seven out of ten times that animal not becoming a familiar. Hmm. Okay. Um, because it takes a while for the animal to, for you to learn if that animal has the right temperament. But those are the things that you're looking for is a calm animal, uh, an animal that handles handling well, an animal that handles sitting with you for a while well, an animal that will consent to having an energy exchange because they might be calm, cool, like, you can pet me all day long, but I don't want your energy in my body. Hmm. So, um, and if you're trying to say, oh, well, I'm going to go get a pet to have a familiar, be prepared that odds are you're going to end up with just a pet. And, and that's okay. I have lots of just pets, and mm-hmm. I love them all. More often than not, that's what you end up with. Hmm. Okay. So, obviously, if somebody is a dog person, they need to try dogs. Yes. If they're a cat person, try cats. Exactly. Stuff like that. Okay. Try an animal that fits your personality and your lifestyle as well. Hmm. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're going to be disappointed. Yes. Right. Very disappointed. And it'll be, I'm sure, a lot harder to form yeah. that bond because you're, if you're not... Like, for instance, I'm a dog person. So, if I wanted to do this, I should probably pick a dog and not a cat because i don't particularly like cats all that much well and so for example your dog Uh uh-huh very calm right very good just laying there and being pets right way too old oh yeah oh absolutely way too old yeah oh yeah yeah he's an old dog and and he knows he's an old dog yeah (laughs) and i had a dog that i got as a three-year-old who um i already had a familiar at the time and then Mm -hmm. when that familiar passed and i was like i gotta replace familiar this dog was like i want to do it this dog was now seven Mm. and as badly as she wanted to do it i had to explain to her she couldn't and it didn't mean i loved her less it didn't mean i cared about her less right she's just too old and it would be dangerous for her yeah because well i mean at that point, if you if you got, I mean, potentially seven more years at the most, mm. usually. Now some dogs, I, I get it. Some dogs live point, longer. And, and she but, only lived to be ten, so, oh, so she, she only, only had, had three years. years left. Yeah, ooh, that would have been bad. Yeah. Yeah, she might have had less if you had actually done that. Oh, she would have had considerably less. If right. I tried to put her through that. Right. So. Um, and that's part of being a good person is knowing what's 
the animal can and cannot handle. Right. And once again, it and comes down to, like you said, figuring out and getting consent and doing all those different yeah. things. And that does go both ways. Exactly. So like you said, you you explained, hey, this, is, this would not work out for you. Yeah. And therefore, it's one of those, we're not doing this. Exactly. Right. Um, and it starts with doing simple energy exchanges. You push a teeny bit of energy into them. You pull a teeny bit out. You do that a couple times and you slowly ramp up how much energy you're doing. Um, and that's the beginning of building the bond. Now, have you ever, yeah, I know we're running long a little bit here, yeah. but that's okay. Now, have you ever pulled too much energy out when uh, you were first? When I was first this? learning how to do this. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I, like I said, if it, I got nipped. Oh, you know, gotcha. do- that my familiar at the time was my first familiar. That's too much, right? Um, and that's how you know, bless his heart. <laughs> it was a cat. It was a sweet, loving cat, and this cat was okay le- with me learning on him. I gotcha. Um, and that's the other thing is when I ask for consent for an animal to be a familiar. I tell them, I know what I'm doing. At the time, I had no idea what I was doing. And you have, if you've never done this before, you have to inform that animal you don't know what you're doing and you're learning on them. Right. Kind of like if you ever go get your hair done at, you know, and someone's learning something new on you, probably going to get a cheaper haircut. But. but they also tell you, I'm learning. Right. Or they should. They should. Yeah. They really should. Yeah. But, uh, okay. Well, I think that'll do it for us today. And I think. That was actually really good. That was yeah. really informative. So I appreciate that. I'm awesome. sure everybody else does too. And the next <clears throat> excuse me, next episode is going to be on basic safety cautions. So <laughs> we've been given little tidbits here and there about different things to do and not do and mm-hmm. stuff that might blow up in your face and might yeah. not. Uh, but yeah, next week we'll actually talk about basic safety precautions that you need to have. Uh, so for instance... Even though I know probably people are familiar with it, uh, I plan on going over the uh, Lesser Banishing Ritual of the Pentagram mm-hmm. just because it's the basic. I mean, it's it's a basic safety technique that uh, pretty much everybody learns. Um, and I'm going to go over, um, you know, a simple protection circle that is okay. non-Wiccan. Um, a lot of people don't like doing circles because they say that's a Wiccan ideal. Mm. Um, this is a non-Wiccan protection circle um, that I think works really well for new practitioners. As well as we're going to go over some more mundane safety oh, precautions. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like, for instance... yeah, here, Be here. careful with fire. There you go. That, that was the first thing I was going to bring up. Was If you have a candle burning, do not leave the area because you might come back to an area that's on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but yeah, we'll go over stuff like that, and it'll be a good time. Awesome. So we will see you all next time. Once again, I'm Daniel. And I'm Alex. And you guys have a wonderful day.